for Saturday, July 1st, Canada Day, a special NHL free agency edition coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver. So care some price days at the Wall Center downtown or the Western Wall Center. YVR. Matt Sakaris alongside remotely Blake Price, Grace Ass, hitting switches, conducting things in this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group is proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission is to make things better for our communities and the people we work with every day, whether providing resources for education, kids, or sponsoring local events. Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Experience best in class that only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver. And of course, Blake, we talk about Applewood. It's all good. Is that what you were waiting for? Well, I mean, someone has to hit the iconic tag. Every time? Really? Yeah, okay. It's all good at Applewood. A Bodog poll question today. We are asking you, with these Vancouver Canucks on free agency day, with the moves the Canucks have made, do you see a path to the playoffs? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. That's if you can access Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Bodog, line of the day for me, well, I, I, I think the deal of the day is Dimitri Orloff to the Carolina Hurricanes. That's a defenseman accustomed to playing for some very good teams in Washington and Boston. You have to think Carolina's handpicked there and on a two-year deal that I suppose he feels can get him another rich UFA payday down the road. Carolina plus 700 to win the East next season. They still got cap space to spend. Giddy up on your Bodog line of the day. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. It's uh, It's been a busy day. They're saying we're going to get over 80 signings by the end of the mm-hmm. day. Um, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's a very unexciting free agent yes. group. Very. Like, I can't underscore this enough. Like, after watching it executed mm-hmm. today, man, is it unexciting. Well, um, I mean... But, hey, a lot of teams were trying to fill some holes, and there's still holes, so... It was so unexciting. TSN broke out the mini pot and the artificial intelligence goaltender. So I think that tells you everything. Well, I mean, you need it's to been know busy. About free- it was really busy. But Not exactly, meat on the bone names that are going to no. make a debate for 10, 15 minutes no, uh, exactly. on a free agency show. Uh, just so everybody knows, Blake is remote in Toronto today, calling the big uh, TFC match tonight for Apple Television. The MLS on Apple TV. Okay, yesterday's poll question, Bodog poll question, which UFA is right for the Canucks? JT Confer, Matt Dumba, Dimitri Orloff, aforementioned, Ryan O'Reilly. Blake, who won the poll? Um, Ryan O'Reilly. Indeed he did. What yeah. percentage did he get? It was very evenly dispersed. I'll give you 39. a clue. 29.5% went to Riley. Just uh, 27.5% went to Matt Dumba. 26% to JT Confer and 17% to Dimitri Orloff. And on YouTube, none of the above won the voting. I think Vancouver Canucks fans, I would say once bitten, but it's more like five or six times bitten, seven or eight times shy on July 1st and rich free agent contracts. So let's get right into it here, Blake. I think they overpaid cash wise for Teddy Bluger and Ian Cole. But on one-year deals, those are very digestible and do come at positions of need. The big one today is Carson Soucy. 
and giving Carson Soucy three years, $3.25 million per full no-trade clause in the first two years, a 12-team no-trade list in the final season. What did you make of that signing? You know what? First of all, just let me say as a general rule, um, nothing um, is super impactful um, at first glance for these uh, Canucks trades. But there's also almost zero risk. And even with the Susie term at three years, it's only a 3.25 cap hit. And he's the youngest of the group at just 28 years of age. So to me, the chances of Carson Susie sort of aging out that contract is almost not there. Can he take a small step backward maybe in his play? Yep, that's possible. But I still think he's going to be a National Hockey League player um, for the duration of the contract. And... If he's a $2 million player playing at 3.25 over the final two years, let's say, like if that's the worst case scenario, that's not the end of the world. That's not the end of the world at all. Plus, you could bury, uh, you know, who knows what the variable number will be at that point. It probably could be 1.3, 1.4 at that point, depending on what HRR does. I mean, there, there's really no bad mistakes here. The question is, did they do themselves enough good? To me, that's the bigger question here. They did a very good yeah. job of making sure they didn't make a mistake, but did they do enough for themselves? Well, I, I would say this. The, the the individuals at hand here, you're quite right. In isolation, they do not make a huge impact. Now, in totality, Blake, I think they will improve the penalty kill, and so I think there is a sum of the parts argument for the Vancouver Canucks to make here in yep. terms of how much they've improved. And to answer the Bodog poll questions, I do see a path to the playoffs. I still think it's an uphill climb. It, of course, requires a healthy season from Thatcher Demko. It, of course, involves continued excellence from Quinn Hughes, Leas Pedersen, and JT Miller. Philip Ronick has to play a big role in that. And needless to say, the penalty kill has to improve. And I think it did today. The problem I see is that because the Vancouver Canucks are such a thin organization and do not have a lot of trade capital, they were priced out of bigger game hunting, more impactful players on the trade market. Because they have so many holes in their lineup, they needed to allocate the cap space they did have. And by God, what this day would have looked like without the OEL buyout and having oh no cap goodness. space. Yeah. Uh, but because of the number of holes that they had to fill, they had to parse it out and get this level of player. And I do think there's an argument to be made that you needed two top four defensemen. You got two bottom four defensemen. You needed a third line center. You got kind of a fourth line center. So, look, they're comfortable with a couple of these players based on their time in Pittsburgh and Cole and Teddy Bluger. I suspect Cole will play with Quinn Hughes. He is a lefty, but can play the right side and be that steady Eddie stay at home defenseman and allow Q Quinn to explore the offense. And sort of the same goes for Carson Soucy on the left side of Philip Ronick going forward. But make no mistake, the ghosts of Canada Day past have come back to haunt the Vancouver Canucks today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think the short-term deals uh, are there because, hey, why not? If you can get away with these players in short-term deals, there's less risk to you. But I think they're, they're also cognizant of the fact that they've got the, the OEL money coming in in years three and four. 
um, at almost $5 million cap hit. I think they're cognizant of the fact they're going to extend a couple of their superstars here, or at least Elias Pedersen most notably, at an unknown cost right now. Um, so I think they're they're stepping forward very slowly, very softly. No sudden movements right now for the Vancouver Canucks, unless something falls in their lap that they can move heaven and earth. Like I, again, I, I can't help but think of Tyler Myers right now and wonder where he is in all this. Can I envision him playing on opening night? Absolutely, I can. Can I envision a world in which they get creative with somebody over the next eight weeks? Yeah, I can envision that too. Um, and, and then, and then who knows, maybe there's a yeah. trade to be made. Um, there's, there's a lot of avenues left here for the Canucks to improve their team still. And I would bet dollars to donuts, Matt. Um, this is not the end of the acquisition, uh, acquisitions for the, for the Vancouver. Well, I, I mean, there's I, still something coming. I, I, I'm with you. Of course, they're, they're back to being capped out after, after these signings. So some money has to a go out to or happen. you have yeah. to make a pure hockey trade and, Patrick Alvin sounded earlier in the week like he just wants to make a pure hockey trade. And gosh, it was a little reminiscent of Jim Benning, if you remember that era, Blake, you know, out there wanting to make out there wanting to make hockey trades. In terms of Tyler Myers, I think back to what Frank Saravelli reported on Halford and Bruff this week that, you know, he felt like there was a deal in place with San Jose, something was holding it up. We all jump to the conclusion that it's probably the $5 million bonus due in September, which would make a lot of sense. But I do wonder whether it's the decision to not qualify Ethan Bear and know that Ethan Bear is not going to be a part of your team from the outset of the season, if at all. And that leaves you a little thinner on right side defense. And, and you can make the argument that Tyler Myers is now appropriately slotted as the third pair right side guy if Cole is going to play with Hughes and if but nobody home. wants a six million dollar cap hit on your, well of, on your of, of course pair. not uh, of course not but yeah. you know this is the bed the Vancouver Canucks have made and, and look you know my next point and perhaps the bigger one how many times has this team gone down the road of defensemen from other organizations that they feel can play up in their lineup oh just Tucker Pullman any Tyler Myers Erica Branson OEL. Yeah. Travis Dermott. It is a very long list. So that's my hesitation on the Carson Soucy deal. Uh, I don't dispute that you're getting the right profile of player for Rick Tockett. I don't dispute that you're getting the right profile of player for the penalty killing needs and for Philip Ronick's partner. I just think there's a very good chance that this guy appropriately slotted is a number five and you're going to ask too much of him. Three years was a little much for me on a two-year deal. I would have been a lot, a lot kinder to it. Uh, but a three-year deal at three and a quarter. I know you thought he could be bid up maybe to as much as four million. Thank God it didn't get there. And also giving him the no-trade protection in the first couple of years. You know, if he doesn't work out, that could hamstring you a little. That could hamstring you a little as well. Let's go through some players here that the Vancouver Canucks were linked to but didn't wind up happening. Um. Three years and two point seven five million for Luke Shen. Put it this way: I prefer the Susi deal significantly yes. Yes. to the Luke Shen deal, given his age in his mid thirties. Uh, at Jeff Fayette, I've, as I've been saying, Shen was always going to get too much. There's no way Toronto should have come even close to this. So good on him for getting paid elsewhere. And I feel the exact same way about the Vancouver Canucks. Blake, as good a, a person, as good a leader as Luke Shan is, and with some proven ability to play beside Hughes, I, I would not have 
match that contract, and I think they may have done better given Ian Cole only got a one-year deal. Congratulations to Luke Shen, but congratulations to the Leafs and the Canucks and everybody else who said, ah, no thank you. Um, and... Yeah, they, they cannot be affording because when father time eventually comes for Luke Shen fully, it's going to happen quickly. Um, he's just going to show up one day and it's and the all the speed that's already not there will be even more abundantly clear. So they can't go down that road with Luke Shen as good as the stories he's been in the National Hockey League in the last few years. And and I almost feel similarly with Ryan O'Reilly at third line center. Yes. Like, Yes. A four-year deal at $4.5 million. You know, Elliot Friedman had reported there was Canuck interests there. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is, is this guy is not too far removed from being a first-line center on a Stanley Cup champion team. And four years, 4.5 at his age and with the hard miles that have been on that body. Remember how many years and how many games he's played in the National Hockey League. I think they did well to avoid that contract even if he would have improved the club more than Teddy Blucher. Even if you got, like, I, I don't know what world the Canucks were in that they were even calling Ryan O'Reilly. Like, of course he's They were checking in, Blake. You know, it's the term this time of year. Well, checking you, to in. To see if he's willing to come for 1.8? Like, 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 Maybe what, he if, really likes Vancouver and the mountains. Right? I mean, hey, you know, to this end, I mean, Blake Wheeler, for what he went to the Rangers, I mean, to me... To me, that Blake Wheeler's contract is one of the steals of the day at eight hundred grand for heaven's sake for one year of the New York Rangers. Like, why wouldn't you? Of course, I would take Blake Wheeler for that price. I think the Canucks should have taken uh, Blake Wheeler. I think Blake Wheeler went to, to Madison Square Garden because it's Madison Square Garden. So yeah, of course. I'll, I'll basically play for anything, and I think that's why that number is there. But, but uh, no, I don't. I don't see that being the case for Ryan O'Reilly. And and you know, two years at five million would have been. Like a completely reasonable offer to Ryan O'Reilly, but the Canucks still can't pay that if they hey, want to improve their defense. I, I'm reminded of a uh, tidbit of the Matt Sundin signing here in Vancouver years and years ago. It came down to the Rangers and the Canucks, and Gillis and Gilman went to Matt Sundin and said, Matt, if you want to live in New York, we're going to give you so much money. You can spend you can spend you can whatever time you want in New York in <laughs> retirement. We're going to give you enough to buy a nice penthouse on Broadway. Uh, Morgan Geeky Blake, he's a Western Hockey League player with Seattle, signed with Boston. I saw a lot of Canucks fans mm-hmm. stumping for him. He got a two-year deal at $2 million. I guess it's the familiarity of Bluger uh, for Alvin and Rutherford, but also a one-year deal, not a two. Were there better third-line center options out there for them? Um, I uh, Now, was Ryan Palin a full-on UFA um I believe so. Uh, I, you I know, believe like, so. I, I would have been intrigued by that. Like, there's a guy who's who can play two ways, and with his draft pedigree, you know, he used to be considered a, a high end player. Like, would would Ryan Palin would have been mm-hmm. a good gamble? He got one year, one point four out of the Flyers. Yeah, Bugstad uh, got two years at two point one per from the Arizona Coyotes. Don't love that his foot a- speed. Don't love his foot speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's not a lot out there. We've, we, you know, we've covered it. There's, there's not a lot going on there. Um, so I don't, and you're not, you're not paying Nyquist. Oh, at, no, at his no, age, that not, kind of money. not given what he got. No, you no. absolutely, uh, you absolutely weren't going there. So as I look around, I know there's not a lot of third line center jealousy because I just don't see the quality mm-hmm. there. You know, um, and, and you knew Confer was going to cost you as well. He was one of the best. 
centers available in this. I would take a Matt Duchesne. I just don't think he I think he was able to pick his lot in life. And that's I think a, was, yeah, that's an income tax free state there in Texas, and I would. And suspect, it's a good team, and, yeah, and he wants uh, to. And win, I would so. suspect that uh, uh, that he was looking uh, he was looking uh, for a more competitive club, or at least a team that has been. Yeah, uh, more competitive. Tyson Jost got one year, two million dollars from the Buffalo Sabers, the former Penticton V. But yeah, you're you're quite right. There wasn't a ton of third line center availability. Let me ask you this, partner. Mike Johnson on the TSN panel said, you know, the Vancouver Canucks spent six and a quarter million dollars on two defensemen. Should they have just spent six million on one defenseman if that player was available to them? And it's the answer is probably not on the free agent market. And then you get to what are you going to give up to get that player uh, unless it's a distressed team trying to move a contract out? Yeah, that's the thing. I, you're going to have to walk me down that boulevard. I mean, in theory, I'm open to what he's talking about. Absolutely. Uh, getting an ironclad $6 million defenseman who's worth that $6 million, and then having a bunch of $1 million defensemen, a bunch of more more Noel Juleson's around the edges – yeah, I, 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 I want to hear the plan. Who's the $6 million defenseman? Tell me who that is and, and you know what that looks like for the Vancouver Canucks. So, um, I, yeah, I, I'm not convinced that that's necessarily out there right now um, in this particular market. And we have to deal with the reality here for the Canucks. Yeah. And that player's just not there. I mean, Matt Dumba, I guess, but is you know what's, what's Matt Dumba going to command right now? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, again, in totality here, Blake, and looking at the big picture of the Vancouver Canucks and their roster construction and their path to not just the playoffs, but actually winning in the playoffs and contending for another, uh, contending for the Stanley Cup. Effectively, the guys they have signed today are bridge players. Maybe Carson Soucy is the one example. Mm-hmm. The big question remains, bridges to whom? I mean... I guess Ian Cole is a bridge to Tom Wielander, but I'm not sure Wielander is going to be ready after this coming season. I guess Carson Soucy is a bridge to a legitimate top four defenseman, but I don't think that player is necessary necessarily yet in the organization. And I'm not necessarily sure a third-line center is in the organization, although they do have some Hope bets there. Some loose candidates, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need Ratu to see what they, and we need some... to see the, the, uh, the league cap situation, Matt, because we need mm-hmm. to see what these bumps in the next two years are going to do to the cap situation because they've, they've got money committed coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you might scoff at a couple of these names that I throw out there, but I'm going to guess that they hope Vasily Podkolzin has a 35-point season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one's saying, oh, you're gonna, he's going to have a 55-point season, but can you hope for 35 points out of Vasily Podkolzin? And if so, guess what? He's getting a raise. He's going to get a raise. Yep. Um, he might push $1.75 million. Incremental things that are taking you up, eating away whatever the cap is going up, and you've got to keep an eye out for Elias Pettersson next year, who That's will it. probably command two and a half to three more million on the cap than what he's accounting for right now. Yeah, I mean, so, if, if you go to Cap Friendly, uh, it's going to show the Vancouver Canucks within the area of $35 million in cap space for 24-25 with an expected increase in the salary cap and a potentially significant increase, as you note, Blake. But nobody signed. Well, that's it. It hasn't accounted for Elias Pettersson and Philip Ronick, who are going to cost you a fair penny. Beauvillier, Bluger, Dakota Joshua, Tyler Myers, Ian Cole, 
all amongst the UFAs that you would have to either resign or replace there. So, yes, uh, this this narrative for the Vancouver Canucks of cap space and how it has boxed it in from boxed them in from even improving the team to the to a playoff level continues, and we'll see where it goes over the course over the course of the next season. Let's just get into some Vancouver Canucks players who did sign elsewhere. Kyle Burrows in San Jose, Colin Delia in Winnipeg. Brady Keeper, we hardly knew you. And now yeah, off to the bad. Montreal off to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, there's uh you know nothing in that group that is a huge miss. Um, I mean, Stetcher down to the Coyotes and Burroughs to the to the Sharks are two like guys that if they had signed them as sort of peripheral deals, you could, you could sort of see it for the Canucks. But I don't know that anybody's saying, "Oh, how are the Canucks going to go on without these guys?" Um, they would have been nice to do, certainly not need to do for the Vancouver Canucks. So um, it is what it is. Cost of business. Uh, I I know the name Michael McLeod will come up, the centerman from New Jersey. We talked about this last week. We mentioned it last uh, yesterday as well. Um, general managers are proceeding very cautiously with a number of players on that 2018 Canadian World Junior team that remains yeah. under investigation. And he was so. technically a UFA, but I don't think he was actually on the market. I think yeah. that was just a, a play to get him off the QO and mm-hmm. allow them to negotiate a new number. So I, I, I don't think he was ever really an option to sign anywhere else. Let's get to today's golf report brought to you by the Arnold Palmer Design Whistler Golf Club. We've been telling you about those great offers for buddy trips, corporate groups. They also home to the also home to the Nike Pro Shop featuring exclusive footwear and apparel worn by Tiger, Rory, Brooks, Scotty, Nelly, and more. And hit up Palmer's Gallery Bar and Grill. Their beautiful patio there. Uh, listed as one of Whistler's top ten patios. For more information or to book a tea time, visit Whistler Golf. Dot com. Quite simply here, Blake, Steve Stricker going for a third consecutive major at the U.S. Senior Open on Sunday at Century World in his home state of Wisconsin. You've heard of Grand Slams. You've heard of Tiger Slams. How about the Senior Slam on the Champions Tour? Potential for it to stay alive this weekend. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits. And Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Let's get to today's menu brought to you by Dodge. To breakfast, to brunch, to Dodge. Get it all at BC's best breakfast, at BC's home for best breakfast, Dodge. We're going to talk to, we'll hear from Patrick Alvine here in the welcome mat. The Canucks general manager, Jeff Patterson, stops by with his thoughts. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. And uh, we'll look at one team in particular that was very active today a little later on in the show with the new general manager. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. 
Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question of ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. No scripted welcome at today. We're going to turn it over to Patrick Alvin, the Vancouver Canucks general manager, and some of his comments after free agency day today. Uh, one other caveat to this segment. You're not going to hear Blake's voice just the way we assembled the show today. Blake did have to get to his other duties with Apple TV and MLS. So uh, Grady will chime here if need be. And really, there were three big themes to Patrick Alvin's prepared remarks today with regards to signing the defenseman Carson Soucy, Ian Cole, and Teddy Bluger. One was Stanley Cup experience, and he talked about not just Bluger as a black ace in the Pittsburgh days when they were most familiar with him, but from Vegas this past year, and of course Ian Cole getting a chance to play on that Tampa Bay Lightning team. And it is true that the Vancouver Canucks have added Cup winners here today. Uh, the second theme was about the size on defense. This was something that head coach Rick Tockett had signaled prior to that game against Vegas earlier in the season, the team that ultimately went on to win the Stanley Cup and is being noted for the size of its defense. And, and really, size is an oversimplification. Size and mobility and puck skills, everything that that Vegas defense has. And then the third item was the penalty killing or defensive prowess. He, he talked about that not only in his prepared remarks, but also in answering some of the questions that they simply needed to get a little stiffer to play against, better on the penalty kill. And he thinks that all three of those players can help out. So let's hear a clip from him on Carson Soucy. And, you know, interesting, he was challenged as we talked about with Blake and We'll talk about with Jeff here coming up. You know, the Vancouver Canucks have a inglorious history of going after other teams' defensemen and saying they can play higher up our lineup, whether it's Erica Branson, whether it's Oliver Ekman Larson, Travis Dermott. There have been a bunch where we have looked at, and so Tyler Myers, where we have looked at and said, okay, inappropriately. Slotted. He was asked about Susie, a third pair defenseman in Seattle, potentially having to play up the lineup here in Vancouver. Here's his answer. Yeah, I think uh, Carson Susie would uh, again would would gone sure and foot. I, I'm I believe that he can uh, take his game to another level too. Uh, he's still young, um, or young, fairly young, uh, turning 29 here shortly. But his size, uh, his ability to skate, and I think he's uh, another guy that uh, two years ago scored 10 goals. Uh, but definitely uh, a, a guy that we can use uh, in, in a top four role. But also depending on how uh, the coaches want to run the bench, different matchups, opportunity, depending on who you play against. Can you see? Now, he would go on to talk about how the Seattle Kraken had great depth this year, eight, eight defensemen, and that's part of the reason why Susie's uh, stats and ice time were suppressed. There is still very much a risk here in giving a multi-year contract to someone who may just be 
a third pair defenseman, but you know, to his point that you're getting him at age 29, so it's not like we're talking about a player who is going to age out, and if he does, he's aging out very prematurely. So a little bit of risk here, unquestionably, both in terms of the term of this agreement and now what will be the request to to play further up this lineup. Similarly with Teddy Bluger, who, of course, Alvin and Jim Rutherford had in Pittsburgh all those years ago. Or Jeff Patterson asked him if uh, Teddy Bluger has more offense to give than what we saw last year. No, I think he's capable. I mean, he had a down year in, in goals last year. Um, but I, I believe that he's capable of, of scoring, you know, I don't know, 10 to 15 goals or being around 15 goals. That, that's what I see him. He's a really dependable player, um, very detailed, high hockey IQ. Um, you know, his, his face-offs uh, on, on PK this year were 55%, so it was really, uh, really impressive. Well, it's a long way to 10 to 15 goals from the uh, four goals that Teddy Bluger scored this year between 63 hockey games with Pittsburgh and Vegas. You know, he went... The memory here is a little bit of Brandon Sutter, if you'll remember when the Vancouver Canucks traded for Brandon Sutter. And a lot of people thought, oh, here's a 20-goal third-line centerman who when he's going to get more opportunity here in Vancouver, could be a 30-goal centerman, as we found out that wasn't the case with Brandon Sutter. And, and Teddy Bluger, 10 to 15 goals, well, 10 would represent a career high. 15 at this stage of the game might be overly wishful thinking. 24 playoff games as well for Bluger with just the two goals. Interesting that he was later asked a very poignant question, I thought, on Teddy Bluger said, hey, is the evaluation of that player from your years with him in Pittsburgh? And I thought Alvin gave a great answer there. He talked about, excuse me, he talked about how the off-ice evaluation is based on their years from Pittsburgh, the familiarity that they have with him as a person, which is completely fair. He said the on-ice evaluation of Bluger was done by the team's professional scouting staff and one would hope so. We've been through that with the general manager, the last one, Jim Benning, where when he made up his mind on a player, that opinion usually held, no matter the changing circumstances of the play, uh, changing cir- circumstances during the player's career. Why Ian Cole in his mid thirties? Sorry, Alvin was asked what has allowed Ian Cole to continue in the NHL at age 34 and in fact playing 19 and a half minutes last night or last year for the Tampa Bay Lightning take a listen I think that the obviously his, his character very very professional how he take care of his body and how he understands the game too uh, just a great team guy uh, again a, a guy that has a playoff experience and and uh, really good helping out of younger players uh, how to become a pro, what it takes and day-to-day. And I think getting a guy like that in with his age could show the younger players how you take care of your body and how you prepare for the next game. And that very much sounds like something that was concerto with Rick Tockett, that the head coach has talked so much about the summer and how important it is about habits, about diet, nutrition, working out, pushing yourself and you do wonder whether Rick Tockett had a huge hand or was a huge booster of the Ian Cole 
signing if, in fact, that is what the player is noted for in the dressing room. Backup goaltender. The Canucks signed a goaltender today in Zach Sachenko. They signed a European goaltender. They have Spencer Martin coming back. And then there's, of course, Archer Siloffs, and that's the name that's first off the lips of Patrick Alvin when he's asked about his backup goaltending. Well, I feel uh, uh, very strong and very excited about it, uh, especially with uh, Seeloff's uh, performance at the World Championship, but also over the last two years in, in Abbotsford, how Seeloff's really uh, took a big step. And, and we also have Spencer Martin and uh, Tolapilo coming over from, from Europe as a free agent as well. So I believe there is going to be a, a, definitely a competition uh, training camp. And a competition that may go into the season, as we have long talked about, with Abbotsford now as an AHL affiliate, you got the ability to have Archer Siloffs play as effectively a starting goaltender or as a co-starter in the AHL to get those necessary reps that he still needs, as well as being a backup goaltender or even the primary backup goaltender with the Vancouver Canucks in at the National Hockey League, and we suspect that Thatcher Demko is going to play a line share of games again this year. May have to overwork him as well, because as our old friend Alan Vigno used to say, he gives me the best chance to win tonight, and that will absolutely be the case for Thatcher Demko. 13 of the first, uh, what is it, just one back-to-back in the first 14 games for the Vancouver Canucks, so they may not require a backup goaltender to start a game, all that easy, or all that or, uh, may not require a backup goaltender to start a game early in the season. Okay, last things last here. Is he done? Because he talked earlier in the week about he's not spending money just to spend money, and yet here we are with a Vancouver Canucks team that's entirely capped out. Is he done? I don't have much cap space, but uh, uh, still have have some there, and and again. The, I, I, that's where I felt it was important for us to don't, uh, you know, get into longer terms or, or you know, get get up in in, in betting on some of the other uh, players that were available. And, and uh, but we felt uh, pretty good with uh, with the players that our, our scouting staff had identified uh, that we got this morning. And I'll applaud them there. The only the one long term deal from the or multi year deal from the Vancouver Canucks today for Carson Soucy. That has been a mistake made on July first pass. And so Patrick Alvin was true to his word in that he hasn't overloaded the financial commitments going on beyond this season. The Vancouver Canucks have a ton of cap space showing for twenty twenty four dash twenty five. Alas, they have some very expensive players to re-sign. Elias Pettersson, Philip Ronick, and of course, some of the players who they either need to re-sign now who will be UFAs or replace if they move on. There was a few other tidbits from Patrick Alvin today. First of all, he was asked about the Tyler Myers trade to San Jose and whether they had a deal ready for Myers, he said, well, if I had a deal ready to go, why wouldn't I execute it? This coming from Frank Saravelli's comments on Halford and Bruff this week, that he felt that there was a deal ready to go between the two teams. Uh, Frank saw that, or saw our tweet about it, Grady, and replied that the feet dragging on a Myers trade was on the Sharks' end, which is quite interesting. Uh Lastly, or at least two more items here 
Ethan Bear, Patrick Alvin acknowledges that it was a very difficult decision to make on Ethan Bear, but he talked about how they were thin on the back end. They did not have a lot of cap space. He said they would continue talking and check back in with Ethan Bear if he doesn't sign an unrestricted free agency. He said Bear does want to stay in Vancouver. Although I must say, I thought there was a telling comment earlier earlier in the press conference where he talked about defensemen who are better on the power on the penalty kill and have a willingness to block shots. So you wonder whether Ethan Bear is the profile of defenseman that they want to go forward with now after adding Susie and Cole and keeping Tyler Myers, at least as it stands. Now, there's great news on Tanner Pearson. Alvin saying the winger is absolutely ready and that the hand has healed. And so he further strengthens the comments that he made last week about how Pearson was beginning preparations to be at training camp or prepared to come to training camp. It was sort of a hedge, not quite a a solid, firm commitment that Pearson would be ready to go on day one of training camp. Today he provided that. Uh, alas, with the Tucker Pullman, the defenseman who has suffered so many concussions and other ailments, the news isn't so good. Alvin reporting that it is still more about Tucker Pullman's health rather than his hockey at this stage of the game. That's welcome at for today, and it's a presentation of Northlands Golf Course. Had a fantastic afternoon yesterday with James Lynch, the MMA journalist from here in Vancouver. We had a blast. Go enjoy Vancouver's premier public golf course. You can book your tee times 90 days in advance. Don't, don't forget to join the loyalty program. Price your rec- next round could be free. You can get all the details at golfnorthlands.com. Harrison Price from Wall Center and a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Auto Group is proud to be a leader in community giving. Applewood's mission is to make things better for our communities and the people that we work with every day. Whether providing resources for education, kids, or sponsoring local events, Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Experience the best in class that only Applewood Auto Group can deliver. We stand with Applewood Auto Group, and thank them again for their new sponsorship here on Securus and Price. Jeff Patterson in a moment, but first the Bodog poll question. We are asking you, with the moves the Canucks have made, do you see a path to the playoffs? Yes or no? We will put that to our next guest, Jeff Patterson. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports. Odds Bodog, line of the day for me. The BC Lions have given up 21 points through three games. Dam may burst eventually, but until it does, I'm going under 23 and a half points tomorrow for the Argos on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is, Jeff Patterson, one half of the rink-wide duo with Andrew Wadden, our Canucks reporter. How are we doing, Jeff? Yeah, still trying to digest everything that's happened on uh, what's turned out to be a fairly busy day, and I guess all the dust probably hasn't completely settled just yet, but uh, as we look at you know the Vancouver Canucks, I think... I, I wish there had been some July 1st like this in recent years where they showed a little bit of prudency and uh, some responsibility and didn't go long term with uh, some of the free agents. So, you know, I think all things considered for the Canucks, I think they made some some decent moves, some smart bets for their hockey club. I think they're better. The question is how much better and ultimately are they good enough? 
Yeah, and, and we'll ask you that here in a second. We'll also set aside Ian Cole and Teddy Bluger for the moment, seeing as you seem to be okay with one-year deals. Let's go to the one guy who got term and got money, Carson Soucy. What, have, what did you make of that signing? Well, they've been linked to him for a while, so I have done a little bit of homework here. And yeah, I'm familiar with the player. Obviously, watched him in Minnesota and then in Seattle. Uh, the danger always, though, and I do have this fear, and we saw it with Tucker Poolman and before him, Tyler Myers. The Canucks get locked onto guys in other markets, and they think, oh, well, a guy plays a role there and plays it reasonably well. He can have, you know, take on more responsibility, can handle more. Uh, and I just wonder if Carson Soucy is a perfectly slotted third pair defenseman in the National Hockey League. That's what he was in Minnesota. That's what he was in Seattle. And I think the Canucks see him as a left side guy on that second pair, sort of taking the OEL spot. And so, you know, I want to give him an opportunity. Like, I'm not here to write the, the verdict on Carson Soucy, but I, that's my fear at the very least is that. You know, he, he probably is what he is at 28 years of age. He's huge. You can't teach sides. He's 6'5". Uh, you know, he killed penalties. He blocked shots. He can be physical. Uh, the Canucks need all of those types of things. So I think there's a role here. I just, I, I worry a little bit that maybe uh, they're going to expect him to bite off more than ultimately he can chew. And so now I say all of that, if he's paired with Philip Ronick, you know, that's pretty good insulation. So maybe that is a, a decent second pairing for the Vancouver Canucks. But again, they didn't go five or six years and they didn't go five or six million. So I have no issue really with the money or the term. And I do think that he, you know, checks some boxes for this hockey club, especially after what we watched the Vegas Golden Knights do on route to a Stanley Cup. You know, this big redwood forest of a defense crew and Rick Tockett, uh, he admired from afar. And so I'm not the least bit surprised that the Canucks sort of waded into the free agent waters and tried to add some size on the back end. One more follow up here before I turn you over to Blake. What about the three year full no move clause on the deal, Jeff? I, I got to say that one struck me as a little odd. I, you got to be able to move the player at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, just how liberal uh, all of this trade protection is in hockey, unfortunately, but it comes with the territory, I guess, on a day like today, and um, you know, you hope that that doesn't lock them into something or handcuff them in any way. Again, he's 28, so you'd like to think that these could be his prime years, you know, if there was protection and it was a five-year deal, you know, again, that would be a little more concerning for me. So I, I can live with it. I don't love it. But if this was their big splash, this wasn't a massive cannonball in the free agent waters. This was, uh, you know, dipping in yeah. and, and trying to find a guy. Again, clear the front of the net. Look, you've got Quinn Hughes. You've got Philip Peronic. They're going to be your power play guys. You're not looking for somebody that's going to step up. And although I say that, Carson Susie had 10 goals in that first season on expansion Seattle. So, you know, for a team that got seven goals from Quinn Hughes and three was the next highest total from a defenseman, like, you know, if he has a shot and can put a couple pucks in, again, that's not what he's signed for. But if that's value add uh, in this player on this roster, then, hey, I'm, I'm down with that as well. Let me just correct. Full no trade for the first two years is 12-team no trade list in yeah. year three. Yes, like, there we go. Uh, what do you think all of that means for Tyler Myers? Because now you think, okay, is that a replacement for Myers? Uh, because he can play on the right side. Um is this is the addition of size a replacement for Meyer's size? Do they want both of those guys in there to create that redwood forest that you talked about? Do you see any uh, you know prism to look at today's actions through the Tyler Myers uh, angle? 
Not really. I, I still think the Canucks will try to move off Tyler Myers when the opportunity presents itself, whether it's early in the season, after the bonus, or at the trade deadline. So replacement size for size, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I don't know that they're going to you know try to create the biggest tandem in the National Hockey League. I think, you know, in my mind, and again, this is a lobby Rick Tockett and it'll shake out at training camp, but you know, I think Ian Cole could very well be a partner for Quinn Hughes. I think you get Susie and Hironic, and you're looking at Tyler Myers to start the season as a third pair guy. And, you know, how long is he here? Uh, that'll be determined, I guess, in time. So, um, but without a doubt, like, yeah, as long as Tyler Myers is here, uh, he's a big body. We know that. And they'll try to get out of him what they can. But I, I just think that they knew that, you know, he can't be a top four guy uh, at this stage of his career. Uh, the way this team is trying to make progress. Uh, he's been part of the penalty-killing issues here the last couple of years. And so I think that all of these signings today are sort of with an eye towards an upgrade on what they already had. And and I include Philip Ronick only because we only saw him for the four games, but certainly, you know, he's going to be the linchpin on that right side. The well, penalty guys, kill undoubtedly got a big boost today. Uh, you know, if, Blake, if anything... Blake, if can, I just, can I just yeah. jump in on Myers? Hmm. Um with not qualifying Bear and him now perfectly slotted, is there a world where they keep Tyler Myers? Well, to the dread deadline, I think there is. I think if they could move mm-hmm. him at the deadline, uh, now that you know, if they're in the mix, I guess we've gone down this road many times in Vancouver about you know what if this team's in the mix with players that they they're tied to. Uh, that said, I, I still think if you could move Tyler Myers to the deadline, you'd look at doing it. Uh, but to the penalty kill guys, without a doubt, I mean, everything that they did today was done with that penalty killing prism. But keep in mind, they spent $6 million to upgrade their penalty killing a year ago uh, in this space with Ilya Mikheyev and Curtis Lazar. And that didn't work at all. So you can throw money after penalty kill, but the proof will ultimately be in the pudding. And so much of the improvement, I think, on the penalty kill is going to have to come from within. And that's going to mean Thatcher Demko, you know, as the backbone from day one, uh, hit the ground running. Again, adding Philip Ronick, I think he'll be a big part of that. Uh, but certainly Carson Soucy and Ian Cole. Ian Cole, uh, he and Eric Chernak were the top penalty killing duo in Tampa. And that's a team that had Victor Hedman, had Michael Sergachev as well. And yet when they had their opportunities, uh, Ian Cole at the age of 34 was still one of the guys that was first out over the boards to do that. So uh, penalty killing, without a question, was one of the priorities for the Vancouver Canucks. It had to be dead last. And it was 31st the year before. So this wasn't, you know, last year wasn't the anomaly. This has been a two-year run where they have just been dismal. And so I think they're looking at you know, just a different composition of guys that are perhaps willing to block a few more shots and maybe, uh, you know, fill shooting lanes and those types of things that guys just haven't been doing enough of. Obviously, we've seen them move to Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, and I think they'll continue on that. Um, but beyond penalty killing, the other one is uh, familiarity. I mean, Teddy Bluger, a Pittsburgh Penguin draft choice. Ian Cole, the two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, Jim Rutherford uh, running it back a little bit uh, old school here with guys that he and that front office are familiar with. And, you know, I'm okay with that. Like, it is a people business. And ultimately, if it helps that you have the book on some of these guys that you've been around and have, you know, had success with, that's fine. But ultimately, it's what do they do for you in a Vancouver Canuck uniform and what they've done in the past. Uh, it helps sort of flesh out your thought process, I guess. But, you know, now that you're paying them on your payroll, uh, they have to step up and help the Vancouver Canucks. Do they have to get a third-line center still? Do you, like, do, do you think they still go out somehow? And maybe that's a Myers trade in September and it creates the space. But do you think 
a third line center at some point is still on the docket. I think it has to be like Teddy Bluger again is considered a decent penalty killer. He's gotten a whole lot better at faceoffs in the last couple of years in the National Hockey League, but 28 points is his high watermark, and that was a couple of years ago. You know, offense doesn't roll off this guy in my mind on a competitive, like contending team. And I know the Canucks are not a Stanley Cup contender, but uh, even on a playoff contending team, I'm looking for 40 points in my world, sort of from that third line center position and. Uh, I just don't think Teddy Bluger is that guy. They still have this glut of wingers. I mean, this crazy logjam of wingers that at some point I think they're going to have to unlock there. So, uh, you know, we know that the trade market for wingers has been soft. I'm not sure that anything really changes in that regard, but that's where their surplus is. So uh, once they get through free agency, maybe they step back and, and, you know, double down on the, the trade market and see what's out there and available. But, you know, Teddy Bluger can help them kill penalties. I'm just in my mind trying to figure out what does that third line look like and, you know, Connor Garland's still here. Could he be a third line guy? Uh, Does Nils Hoaglander get an opportunity? Is Vasily Podkolzin, you know, like, does that sound like a modern, does anything there sound like a, you know, a modern play driving third line in the National Hockey League that's going to be able to help the Vancouver Canucks? Well, uh, let's uh, continue the discussion to the crease where I think a theme is developing. Need a third-line center, maybe got a fourth-line center. Need top four defensemen, maybe got number five defensemen. Zach Sachenko, uh, seven games with the San Jose Sharks in 21-22. Is this the backup goalie, or is this the signal, Jeff, that they're riding Archer Silovs as the number two man behind Ar- Thatcher Demko, and Sachenko is the insurance tendy? Yeah, not really sure what to make of the goaltending situation still. Uh, and you've got Spencer Martin, who's under contract at uh, you know the NHL uh, level, one year deal, uh, what you're left on his deal. So you know, is it an open competition? I, I still, in my sort of heart of hearts, thinks that think that Artur Silovs, despite his run at the Worlds, you know, could benefit from being the everyday guy down in Abbotsford for the first half of the season at the very least. And if you remember Thatcher Demko, when he broke into the NHL. He played his way, forced the Canucks' hand to give him an NHL game. And then he went back down to Utica. He played the start of the next season and got to about Christmas time. And that's when it wasn't working out for Anders Nielsen and Demko was continuing to develop. And at that point, you know, they, they elevated Thatcher Demko. I could sort of see something like that with Arthur Silov. So, again, I expect uh, Thatcher Demko is going to play and play a ton. When the schedule came out last week, they only have one back-to-back in their first 14 games, which... You know, scares me a little bit because that invites just 13 starts in the first 14 for Thatcher Demko if they, you know, want to get off to a good start. And, you know, they do have to run the risk of, or, you know, make sure that they don't run the risk of, of burning him out and turning him into dust. But um, he is their guy and they're going to play him a lot. So if Thatcher Demko is going to play a lot at the NHL level, do you want Silovs just sitting here as the backup right off the bat? Or could Spencer Martin sort of hold down the forward, or, you know, is there a plan C perhaps? So, you know, lots of moving parts when it comes to the goaltending, I suppose there. I don't think it's as clear cut today on July the 1st to say that Arthur Silovs is going to be the backup, but I also think it's fair to say that Arthur Silovs could come to camp and absolutely earn that opportunity. Yeah, I absolutely. Do, because I do I, feel I, comfortable saying Zach Sachenko will not be the backup. I do feel well, that comfortable. No, but the question here is, is it insurance policy by committee with Martin Sachenko and, and Silovs, or is one of them, as Jeff notes, going to emerge? And you have to think that Silovs is going to have every opportunity to show them that he's number two. And, and as we, as you long talked about, Blake, 
um, given the proximity proximity of Abbotsford, you should have the best uh, the best of both worlds here. He could Bef- be number two on the depth chart, but number three in execution. Right? That is very fair. Very two fair. Um, because well, I'm not sure you too, have they- a lot of confidence in Spencer Martin after the season he just put up. Yeah. But they also went and they signed the big Belarusian guy uh, late yeah. in the season as well. So, you know, I thought I, I thought he was going to be the backup in Abbotsford, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, you can never have too much goaltending in an organization, I suppose. But I also thought it was curious that they came through the draft and they didn't develop or didn't draft a goaltender this year. And I thought maybe part of that was because just right now where they are in the system, uh, they felt that they had uh, enough bodies at that position. So we'll see how it all goes. You know, the other one that uh, we haven't talked about here, guys, uh, Matt Irwin, uh, depth defenseman through and through, but he played 60 games for the Washington Capitals last year. This is a guy, it's funny, I've always thought he's a Victoria guy, played his junior hockey in Nanaimo, and I just always thought at some point it would make sense for Matt Irwin to find his way into the Vancouver Canucks organization. Well, as it turns out, the year that they're going to go back to Victoria for training camp, um, you know, I don't know where he fits in all of this, but a big body, you know, six foot two guy who has 500 games of NHL experience. So, um, you know, where he falls in the depth chart and all of that, too soon to know. But uh, not surprised that Matt Irwin has, at, you know, at long last, uh, you know, and he's bounced yeah. around the NHL, but he's made his way back to British Columbia. On the uh, goaltending front, I got zero problem. Flood the position with younger, low-cost candidates and see if anybody uh, yeah. emerges. That is totally fair. Yeah, uh, you you wonder wise. how much of that is reaction to the Golden Knights guys. You know, like you <laughs> yeah, know, you, just, you never know who's going to give you three good months and go on a run, right? You well, and know. and you know, Golden the Golden Knights got wins from five different goaltenders, and Neil was the fifth yeah. uh, to ride uh, to ride with them, and of course, take them to a Stanley. Okay, let me ask you the devil's advocate position, Jeff, that Mike Johnson was touting on the TSN panel and and more on Mike's work, actually, later in hashtags. You've spent three million apiece on a couple of defensemen. Would you have been better off spending six million on one defenseman or was that player simply not available here? Well, I, I think you can make the argument, but you would still need that other defenseman. They needed two top four defensemen, right? Like, just the way things have shaken down here with the bear injury and the OAL buyout, uh, they needed bodies that can play in the National Hockey League. So, um, you know, I don't think they were truly ever in on a guy like Dmitry Orlov. Uh, he seemed to want to handpick his landing spot and stay in the East and all those types of things. So, you know, beyond that... Um, you know, I'm not sure where the focus would have been in this uh, free agency year. But, yeah, I mean, this is the danger that, you know, we can sit here and say, yeah, I think they've upgraded from last year, but they were brutal last year. So they had to get better. They you know, they better have gotten better. But it's a question of how much better and, you know, is it going to be good enough? Because we know that there was a sizable gap between them and the playoff bar in the Western Conference. So... Uh, I want to give Philip Ronick every opportunity. I kind of feel like he's the forgotten man in all of this just because the trade was made uh, whenever it was March the 1st, and then he played the four games and disappeared. But, you know, they are going to roll out a pretty shiny toy and a guy that they paid a pretty price to get. Uh, and I do think that he gives them, you know, some nice depth and you can split him and Quinn Hughes. And then it's a question of, you know, how do these other guys fit into all of this? And just in my mind, you know, Ian Cole is a guy that has played the right side, even though he's a lefty, but a veteran guy who's played, 
you know, with so many partners over the year, has some versatility. Like, I could see him being the caddy to Quinn Hughes, and then that would leave Carson Soucy to play with with Philip Peronix. So, you know, I, I do think that the defense is better, uh, better with the signings today, but also when you include Philip Peronix in the conversation, uh, I do think that there's an upgrade here for the Vancouver Canucks, but we know they had so much distance to cover that that's still mm-hmm. my concern is I just don't know how much better ultimately they are and if they're good enough to be you know, in the playoff conversation here in the Western Conference. Not, not really the same question at third line center because when you look at Ryan O'Reilly where the Canucks had interest, a four-year deal at $4 million plus per, uh, that's probably too rich and takes them out of getting a third piece or a third a significant piece. One of the defensemen is probably sacrificed if you're going Ryan O'Reilly. I saw a bunch of Canucks fans stumping for Morgan Geeky, uh, the big Western League centerman who signed today for $2 million per to leave the, I believe he left the Seattle Kraken, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Don't have the team that he signed with here right in front of me. <laughs> so much going on. Uh, you Boston. Know, Boston. Something like, thank you, Grady. Something like that, Jeff. Do you think... Uh, do you think they picked the wrong third line center given the cost? No, well, again, I, I think the cost, the price that they paid, uh, go back to familiarity, and maybe they feel that they know this player and can squeeze a, a little more out of him or put him in the right situations. Um, but you know, I come back to this idea that you know, a career twenty-eight point guy at the age of twenty-eight, it's 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 unlikely that he's going to break out and become a forty forty-five point guy at this stage of his career. Uh, you know, it does take some of the pressure off Neil Zaman, who I think will now be able to sort of grow more into that fourth line role that I think he's better suited to. And, you know, Neil Zaman checked off a lot of boxes for the Canucks last year as a rookie and basically found money. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, the, the underlying numbers were not pretty for him in his first year in the National Hockey League. And I'm not expecting a ton of offense from him, but if he is going to develop into any sort of shutdown, you know, reliable guy for Rick Tockett, he is going to have to shore up uh, his face-offs. He's going to have to shore up his defensive performance. And so that takes some of the pressure, and I guess Teddy Bluger can step in there. But, you know, this is July 1st. They don't go to training camp till September 21st. They don't start playing until October 11th. Like, this is a, a, a marquee day on the hockey calendar, certainly, but things can continue to change. They better change. Your roster has to evolve. And so, as we said, like the trade front hasn't yielded a whole lot for them of late, but that doesn't mean that it can't. So I would think that, you know, this is um, insurance at the very least, that this is a guy that can step in and play and is an upgrade on Nils Amon. But I don't know that he is the answer ultimately uh, for the roster that they want to put on the ice. Hey, uh, please don't OEL have a bounce back season in Florida, uh, fellas. What did you Honestly, make of that If he deal? does, good on him. I, I'm sorry. He had multiple opportunities for a bounce back season. Uh, great landing spot for him. Um, you know, they're going to be down some defensemen early on. So we're going to find out early. Uh, you know, Montour and Ekblad both injured on the run to the Stanley Cup. Uh, we'll find out if, you know, a full summer off is going to allow him to train and be effective. Uh, the game's not getting any slower, and so I hope Florida knows what it's getting itself into. But just in terms of expectations and pressure and spotlight and you know the critique and all that kind of stuff, Florida's a great retirement home for a lot of people, and maybe it'll be a retirement home for OEL as well. Jeff, he's in his early 30s. He's I not know. going to Del Boca Vista anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, lastly, buddy. That's before... effectively what Florida Panthers organization is. You no, literally they used retire. to be. That's what they used to be. Uh, now it's Arizona. 
<laughs> that crowd's retiring well, in Arizona. He, he couldn't go the back NHL there. crowd yeah. retires, retires in Arizona. You're quite right, Jeff. He can't go back. All right, the big picture poll question by Bodog. With the moves the Canucks have made, do you see a path to the playoffs? Well, the path to the playoffs remains uh, improvement from within and sort of, you know, best case scenario that Elias Pettersson stays healthy and is a 100-point guy and Quinn Hughes can back up a, you know, a 75-point season with another one and that there's no slippage from JT Miller and that Kuzmenko has the kind of season that he had uh, in his, you know, first go-around. So, uh, you, you know, you're adding, you're addressing some areas of weakness in free agency, but ultimately the core of this group is the core of this group and so much of the conversation starts with Thatcher Demko. If Demko can get back to where he was two years ago, where he was in the bubble, then absolutely. I mean, he himself is a path to the playoffs for the Vancouver Canucks. So, look, we, we've said, like, they've got lots of good pieces, but they haven't surrounded those good pieces with enough good pieces. And so they think that they have layered up a little bit here today, and we'll find out. I do think there's a path to the playoffs for them. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and bang the desk and declare on July 1st that they will be a playoff team. But if all of their top-end guys have the kind of seasons that you're hoping that they will, uh, and you notice that that sentence starts with an F, right? Capital I. Yes, capital yes, F. Yes. Um, I think both were capitalized. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Capitalized. That's yes. the danger in all of this. But, um, yeah, like you know, I, I guess I just kind of, my logical brain just looks at, you know, they probably needed six or seven more wins if penalty kill was even league average, that's probably three wins right there. Like the penalty kill sunk them on a lot of nights last year. Thatcher Demko healthy and performing. He can deliver a bunch more victories. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I yeah. think, I think there is a way that it can happen, but again, um, you know, pretty fine lines. And if any of those top players takes any kind of step back, uh, you know, that's the danger and that's yeah. the risk, but that's why they play the games. And, and agree wholeheartedly, Jeff. It remains an uphill climb, and we're here on July 1st, 2023, still talking about a path to the playoffs, not a contending Vancouver Canucks team yeah. after all this misery over the last nine years. Have a marvelous Canada Day weekend. Thank you for stepping up here today, and we'll catch up with you on Sakarison Price this week. All right, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Harrison Price from Wall Center. Happy Canada Day, everybody. Presentation of Applewood Auto Group and hashtags the best and worst of Twitter is brought to you by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. A recent Harrison Price listener contacted Jason one month before their mortgage renewal. Jason noticed they could get out of their mortgage, get a lower rate. Even with a get-out penalty, they saved money. Had this listener waited for the bank to renew, it would have cost them $7,000. That's the advantage you get with Jason Hominick on your side. Find him at Jason. Dot Mortgage. Blake, lead us off. Uh, it'll have to be you, Matt. I have no hashtags. My rate has been exceeded. I've got <laughs> no access to Twitter today. So it'll have to be all you today. I was going to end on that one as my kicker at Al Shipley. Rate limit exceeded will be the last thing people on Elon's space colony see when they run out of oxygen. This this might be the last hashtag segment in the history of the show because I certainly am not paying for verification. There you and go. And this is the way it is going. I mean, honestly, oh. what's the point? At Frank underscore Saravelli, Leaf signing Ryan Reeves to three by one three five million. Mike Johnson is my captain Canada today, okay, on the TSN panel because Johnson challenged the panel, including Dave Poole and Cheryl Pounder, on on Reeves' impact. 
and the notion that he makes others safer, if I can quote, Willie Nylander is still going to get hit, Johnson said. Blake, this is something we've been saying a long time. Look, and I don't doubt that Ryan Reeves is an effective player and can be an effective player. Now, three years seemed a little much when the top free agent defenseman on the board today, Dmitry Orlov, got but two. Again, don't dispute he can be a fair player, but the, ugh, coverage of that coming out of Toronto, how somehow, some way Ryan Reeves is going to be the key to finally get them through. No, sorry, not buying that. No, it's, uh, you know what? The Leafs bringing him in for a year, sure, whatever. The fact that he got term at this stage in his career, too, it's shocking. It's a shocking move by them. And I suspect they could say, you know, they would argue they could bury most of that cap hit, and that is that is true. But, you know, they, they love... In the absence of good hockey players over the last century and a bit in Toronto, that market has fallen in love with their tough guys, right? Ty Domi probably first and foremost. You got another Ty Domi on your hands. Um, you know, on some nights he'll improve your fourth line, but I'm not necessarily sure that moves the needle for the And a lot loose. of playoff nights he won't play at all. That, that, that's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, at Capitals, the Washington Capitals have acquired defenseman Joel Edmondson from the Montreal Canadiens for a third-round pick and a seventh-round pick in the 2024 entry draft. Montreal will retain 50% of Edmondson's contract. Now, when we look at the defense signings the Vancouver Canucks have made, Blake, I would argue that Joel Edmondson is in the orbit of, a, of an Ian Cole and a Carson Soucy. Now, he's making just 1.75, and Montreal is retaining 50%. So you get a bottom-four defenseman, on an 800000 and change deal here if you're the Washington Capitals. You give up a couple picks, but you get a very cost-effective defenseman for the one year before he's UFA. Is that something you would have considered if you're Patrick Alvin as opposed to the deals for Cole or for Susie, or are you just so draft-pick prospect poor that you don't have the capacity or at least the willingness to make that sort of deal? Yeah, I mean, it's... It's. Uh, I mean, Edmonton did not have a great year last year, that's for sure. Um, but at that price, it's, it's pretty tantalizing, at least at that cap hit. Um, I could imagine that. I, I could argue it both ways, honestly. I'm on the fence with it because it, the, the cost of acquisition is not bad. The cost of the cap hit's not bad. I'm just not wild about the player. I don't know that I would have gone down the road, period, I guess. Yeah, I... Uh... Boy, there's going to be, this has been an interesting free agent and, and um, day. And as we have uh, also noted, a particularly interesting day in terms of, you know, as we record this, Blake, we still await the blockbusters. Now, the blockbusters could come, but there's a ton of good players on the market here. And it seems a lot of the trades, at least in the early hours of the draft and free agency, have been fiddle around the edges stuff. And that's hashtags for today. So Harrison Price on a special Canada Day NHL free agency episode. 
brought to you by the Applewood Auto Group, and you can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Uh, great Clips? It will be. It's going to be. It. It's definitely great. Ah. Oh. Candidate A weekend, the kickoff of summer NHL free agency. It is great. So mm. thank you to everyone who is listening here. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. We had a discussion, Jeff and I did, of the big hoped-for shakeup in Nashville under new general, general manager Barry Trotz. And um, frankly, Blake, and I'm a enormous Barry Trotz fan, as a head coach and as a communicator, I think his inexperience in the general manager chair showed up today. I was not particularly enthused with the contracts that they gave to Gustav Nyquist, Ryan O'Reilly, and Luke Shen. Um, I think this is a head coach paying for the sort of character players that he admired, admired from across the bench. And as we know from the Jim Benning-Willie Desjardins experiment, and perhaps a little here in the Rick Tockett sense as well, when you bring a new coach in, or in this case, a new general manager who was a coach, I think you do tend to throw them a couple of bones on players that they covet that maybe the rest of the league doesn't covet to the same degree. Remember Lyndon Vay, Blake, and some others. And yesterday we did not actually mention when we were talking about the uh, recasting of the Nashville Predators, the buyout of Matt Duchesne. So omission there on my behalf, and uh, Duchesne has signed a one-year, three million dollar deal. That's uh, that's a pretty that's buy, pretty yeah. good for Dallas. Yeah. I mean, if he can bounce back to what he was a couple of years back, he's an offensively inclined player, and you haven't committed all that much to uh, him. Could probably still playing a six top six role, and even slide over to center if you need him to. So that's, it would be uh, interesting to see if anybody could track how many times a single team has signed multiple. 32 and over players to multi-year deals. like In free agency, yeah. <laughs> yeah like On Nashville. No, I know. I know. It's unbelievable. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, they will, be, they will be moderately better next year. <laughs> I think they will be moderately better next year. But yeah. um, is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. Oh. But Speaking oh, go of ahead. Nashville, mm. Tyler in the inbox says, E and O within the body of E's and O's. Matt claimed that Nashville picked Matthew Wood with the fifth overall pick. Was actually the fifteenth. Believe I said fifteenth. Yeah. Did he check the I, tape on that? I don't know. I'll have to go back and be yeah. the the judge of that. Disputed, disputed. Bodog line yes. of the daytime with Blake Price, Bodog, your trusted source of casino games, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like? What you got? Well, it should be an easy win for Jamaica over St. Kitts and Nevis in the Gold Cup, which means uh, it could get a little bit wild and woolly, and maybe uh, a right back can get a goal. So. Vancouver Whitecap, Javane Brown, plus 500 anytime goal scorer for Jamaica. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your Canada Day. We're back on Sakarison Price Tuesday. Please do follow us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts and do support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.